0: What's the what's the most powerful? Uh, what's the most dangerous part of your body? Uh, we've been reading James together as a church. And a few weeks ago we heard James say, our mouths, our tongues are the most dangerous parts of our body. You think a fist can do damage? The Bible says otherwise. James 3.6 says, the tongue also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. The Bible says, you and I are walking arsonists. The warning is, every time you or I open our mouth, someone might get burnt. Our words can be damaging and destructive, even to the point of being demonic. James tells us this not to be fatalistic, not so we give up hope, but as a warning. A few sentences later, James says our words can be used to bless or to praise God. We can use our words wisely, but they can also do great damage. Today... We're considering what Proverbs has to say about words. What wisdom do we need to learn so words bring life, not death? Healing, not hurt. Last week, we did a lot of flicking around the book of Proverbs This week I'm going to try something different. We're going to centre ourselves in Proverbs 26 because in this chapter uh, there are two clusters of Proverbs about words, though we are going to draw on some other Proverbs to fill out the picture. Uh, These two clusters, uh, the first is about timely words, uh, the right words at the right time, and the second cluster is about the damage words can cause. So first up, timely words. Uh, as Pat read Proverbs 26 before, I wonder whether you, you heard something that sounded like a contradiction. Uh, have a look at verses 4 and 5 again. Have a look at verses 4 and 5. The first half of each of those verses is exactly the same, exactly the same words, except the little word, not. Not. Verse 4 says it's wise to not do something. And in the very next breath, we're told the same thing is wise. Have a listen. Proverbs 26, 4 and 5. Verse 4, do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like him. Verse 5, answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. Which one is it? Should you answer a foolish person according to his folly, or should you not do that? Before we answer that specific question, we get into the details of what the Proverbs mean, Uh, this contradiction teaches us something about reading Proverbs. We're reading Proverbs together uh, over the next couple of weeks. It's really important we learn how to read Proverbs. Proverbs is full of wise sayings, but you've got to use them wisely. If you approach them as a law to be obeyed or as a promise to be claimed, you're making a big mistake. Proverbs are wise sayings. You've got to use them wisely. In fact, cast your down, your eyes, sorry, your eyes down to verse seven and there's a proverb that says exactly that. Proverbs seven, like the useless legs of one who is lame is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. It's a striking image. There's a similar though crass Aussie saying about something being useless on a bull. This proverb is saying the same kind of thing. You can memorise, you can recite proverbs till you're blue in the face, but they'll do a fool no good. They're as useless as they're no good if you don't know how to use them or apply them. And then you jump down two verses later, verse 9, like a thorn bush in a drunkard's hand is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. Not only are they useless, they can be dangerous. The only way we can really know how to be wise with the Proverbs is when we know them in relationship to God, when we know wisdom in relationship to God. It's the fear of the Lord That's the beginning, the foundation of wisdom and knowledge. You can memorise the Proverbs, but they're useless. Actually, they're dangerous if you're a fool. They're dangerous because you might think that you're wise, but you're actually not if you don't fear God. And we really see this in the apparent contradiction between verses 4 and 5. What are they saying? Well, sometimes it's not wise to answer a fool. If someone says something stupid or offensive, sometimes the wise thing to say is nothing. To not answer the fool. Just ignore it. Get on with your life. Often the wisest thing to say is nothing. And this is put really clearly in Proverbs 17, which is up on the screen. It says, The one who has knowledge uses words with... Restraint. And whoever has understanding is even tempered. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. In grade four I was told a modern version of this proverb. In grade four, I must have been particularly chatty that day. My my teacher, his name was Mr. Linnett. He said, Daniel, empty vessels make the most noise. If I recall correctly, I heard it and it stung straight away. Maybe because I was learning the drums at the same time. If James is true that our tongues are firebombs, then keeping quiet is often the wisest thing to do. It's empty vessels, not wise heads, that make the most noise. This is something many of us need to learn in the world of social media. Just because you have the potential to broadcast every precious thought that comes into your mind, just because you have the power to tell the world every little opinion you have, To post and comment and engage in a worldwide conversation, just because you can, doesn't mean you should. Just because someone says something you think is wrong on the internet, and there's plenty of fools who do, you don't have to comment. You don't have to answer a fool according to his or her folly. Even a fool is thought wise, whilst he or she she says nothing. But back to chapter 26, Proverbs 26, and the contradiction. Sometimes it's wise to not answer the fool. But sometimes it's wise to do so. When someone says something foolish, maybe insulting to you, If there's something about the person that makes you think they'll be open to discussion, open to correction, it might be wise to engage them, to talk, to turn this moment of folly into a teaching opportunity. It takes wisdom to discern whether that's going to have the effect that you expect, but it is possible. And maybe there's times that you have been the fool and someone has corrected you. And you've learnt from that experience, and it's been good because you've actually shown that you weren't a fool. You said something foolish, but actually you were wise because you were willing to listen. Now, the choice of words in verse 5, I think, is particularly interesting. Have a look at verse 5 again, and the words I'm thinking about are according to. Answer a fool according to his folly. I wonder whether verse 5 is saying, there may be a time when it's wise to speak foolishly to a fool. It may be wise to mock the mocker. That at the right time using mockery might show up someone's foolishness and could lead them to learning wisdom. There are there a couple of examples in the Bible where mockery is used to great effect? Often the prophets used mockery to show the stupidity of worshipping idols. Probably the, the best incident is Elijah versus the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Elijah mocked the prophets of this false god. Hey, you prophets, maybe your god's asleep. Or maybe he's on the toilet and that's why he won't send fire from heaven. There is times to use mockery. Even Jesus at times used mockery or sarcasm. For, for example, in John 10, again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from, my, from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? Jesus uses sarcasm to point out the hypocrisy of his opponents. So there are times when, when mockery and sarcasm is wise. But, brothers and sisters, I think we need to be very, very careful. Jesus is the wisdom of God. He always knows when it is right and wise to answer the fool according to his folly. But I think we need to be very careful. Mockery and sarcasm is usually belittling. It's saying that the person is not worthy of respectful interaction. Mockery is powerful. To the right patient, with the right dose, at the right time, it can be an extremely powerful prescription. It may confirm them in their sin and foolishness. Which I take it is what happened with Elijah and the prophets of Baal and and even Jesus with many of those of his opponents. The mockery actually solidified them and showed them to be the enemies of God that they actually are. Though in God's kindness, God uses strong language to wake up someone and bring them to repentance. Maybe Mr. Linnet's words to me had an air of mockery, but they worked somewhat. But we must be very, very careful I think mockery and scorn is much more likely to come across as unkind, unfair, unloving. It's likely to sound like we're not listening properly to others and bring scorn on Christ and the gospel of salvation. We need to be wise with our words, using the right words to the right person at the right time. But there are some words, Proverbs says, are never wise. Our words can cause trouble. Trouble for others and for ourselves. So if you look down at verse 17, Proverbs 26, 17, all of the Proverbs from verse 17 to the end of the chapter are about the problems words can cause. Uh, Too often... We are the cause of our own problems. As verse 17 says, like one who grabs a stray dog by the ears is someone who rushes into a quarrel not their own. What will happen if you go and grab a random dog and tug it by the ears? You'll get bitten. If you get involved in someone else's quarrel, you'll get bitten. The Proverbs say, minding our own business is a virtue. As 1 Timothy says, we should pray to live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Uh, the context of 1 Timothy 2 is about prayers for kings and governors. Paul doesn't say to pray that the Roman emperor, uh, or, uh, who was a pagan, Uh, who is the leader of a godless empire, he doesn't say, pray that they'll be overthrown, pray for revolution. No, he says, pray for peaceful and quiet lives, a context in which to live faithfully for Jesus without twisting dog's ears. It's not wise to go looking for trouble. This is another risk of social media, but even also the mass media, broadcast media, we feel compelled to have an opinion to get involved in all sorts of other conflicts that have actually got nothing to do with us it's not wise to go looking for trouble it's not wise to go looking for trouble but foolish words jokes and pranks can also land us in hot water verse uh, verse 18 like a maniac shooting flaming arrows sorry like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives their neighbour and says, I was only joking. This is really important for us. In Aussie culture, it's a mark of friendship, of mateship, to pay someone out. Now, this is a proverb, not a law. And if you've got friends or family and you're always joking with each other, you can do that. But this proverb says, be careful. It's really easy to take a joke too far to hurt someone, offend them. And then what you thought was just a joke sets everything ablaze and it becomes so hard to repair the damage and rebuild the relationship. We need to be careful with sarcasm or making jokes at someone's expense. And I wonder if this proverb is also a warning about people who say something stupid, was never meant as a joke, but instead of giving a genuine apology, they say, oh, look, I was only joking. Can't you take a joke? Too often people use this as some kind of excuse after making a sexist or racist remark. They say something that was designed to insult and belittle a person made in God's image. And when they get called out, they get offended. They go, "Can't." You take a joke, they actually blame the person that they deliberately went to offend. This is like someone going crazy, shooting flaming arrows everywhere, everything's going to burn, including yourself. This is true also for those who spread gossip. What is gossip? It's sharing a story that's not yours to share. Whether the story is positive or negative, unless the person wants the world to know, it's not your story to tell. Most often, gossip is sharing something that's designed to make someone else look bad and you look good. Did you hear what so-and-so said? And brothers and sisters, gossip is rife in most churches And I'm sure ours is not exempt. Gossip is designed to make someone else look bad and you look good. Sometimes it's a way of making you look and feel powerful. Knowledge is power. And so gossip gives you power. You're claiming power over the person you share the gossip with because you know something that they don't. It puts you in a position of power in the relationship. And also you have power over the person whose secret you're betraying. Gossip is evil and it destroys. Verse 20, without wood a fire goes out. Without a gossip a quarrel dies down. As charcoal to embers and as wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome person for kindling strife. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. Like a coating of silver dross on earthenware are fervent lips with an evil heart. Gossip is destructive especially in situations that are anxious or relationships in conflict. Gossip is fuel for the fire. A Gossip is a person who's trying to make things worse, but they're not brave enough to fight in the open. Instead, they sneak around in the dark and set an ambush. If you ever hear yourself saying a sentence that begins... Oh, this, this might be gossip, but shut your mouth. If someone says that sentence to you, tell them it probably is gossip, so don't say it. Gossip is fuel for the fire. It's foolish because it doesn't only hurt others. Ultimately, it's a trap for the gossip. Verse 24. Enemies disguise themselves with their lips, but in their hearts they harbour deceit. Though their speech is charming, do not believe them, for seven abominations fill their hearts. Their malice may be concealed by deception, but their wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it. If someone rolls a stone, it will roll back on them. When you gossip, you're digging a trap for yourself. Proverbs 20.19 says, A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. It's not only wise to not be a gossip. Wisdom says, give wide berth to those who are gossips. If you're inclined to gossip, listen to this warning. Wise people will not associate with you. They won't trust you. If you're a gossip, if if you're someone who's free with your opinions on others, if you're telling stories that are about other people, I am not going to trust my heart with you. I'm not going to trust you with my story. I'm not going to trust you with with a close relationship. A wise person stays away from a gossip. And this is destructive because it's the opposite of the kind of relationships we should have in our church because of the gospel. The gospel gives us the resources to own the truth about ourselves, to be honest about sins with one another, because when we know Jesus, we know that we all sin. So why hide it? Let's be honest and confess our sins. We all all face temptation, we all fall. The gospel gives us the confidence to own this truth before God and before each other. Because in Christ we find forgiveness and acceptance. In Galatians 6.2 we're told to carry each other's burdens. That's what we're to do as the people of God. Galatians six two. In James five sixteen, we're told to confess our sins to one another. But if you're a gossip, if you're someone who tries to share gossip with me, I won't trust you to bear my burdens, and I won't confess my sins to you. Gossip destroys. Relationships and reputations. Not so much of those who are gossiped about, but those who gossip. Gossip destroys the reputation of the gossip. The final verse of Proverbs 26 summarises much of what we've been hearing. Truth is always wise. Verse 28. A lying tongue hates those it hurts, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Lies lead to destruction. Wise people only speak what is true. So what has God been saying to us about our words? We need to learn to be wise, to be discerning in the words we use. We need to learn the right time to use the right kind of words. And sometimes it's best to say nothing at all. It can be best to say nothing because words cause all sorts of trouble, especially meddling, gossip or lies. These things cause problems and most of all for us if we're foolish enough to say these kinds of things. Why are words important? Because as Jesus said, our words show our heart. Our words reveal what we're really like deep inside. In Luke 6, Jesus says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree uh, bear good fruit. Each tree is recognised by its own fruit. Uh, People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And if we reflect on some of the words we've said, even this week, This is troubling. Our words reveal our heart, and maybe that's a pretty ugly thing to think about. When we say foolish things, it means we've got a foolish heart. When we say cruel words that cause trouble, it's because our heart is cruel. Our tongue is a world of evil. We set off all kinds of fires with it. But the good news of Christ is that he died to forgive us for all the hurtful and harmful words we've said, the gossip we've spread, the lies we've told. Jesus died so you might be forgiven. And he pours out his spirit to renew our hearts and our tongues. Friends, Christians, hearing these things, we need to repent. To use our words to speak to God and to tell Him the truth of our words. That we've used words in ways that are foolish, but even more that are dishonouring to Him. So let's pray, confessing our foolish and sinful words, asking God for His forgiveness and for hearts and mouths that are made new by him. Please join me as we pray. Father God, these words from your word are confronting and convicting. In Proverbs we see how often our words have not been wise. We've used our words as a weapon to set things ablaze, to cause trouble, even though it continually comes back and burns us too. Lord God, we are sorry. Lord God, we thank you so much for Jesus. That Jesus never said a foolish word, that all his words are true and wise because he is truth and he is wise and he is wisdom. Lord God, thank you so much that even though Jesus never said a word out of place. He died the death that sinners, that gossips, that liars, that quarrelsome people deserve to die. And yet he died for us. And he rose again to bring forgiveness and new life to all those who would trust in him. We thank you so much for this. And we thank you that because Jesus is risen and ascended that he now pours out his spirit and by his spirit, as as the spirit helps us and as he enables us to hear your word, he changes us. And we are changed so we might have words that praise you, words that heal rather than hurt. Please be changing us. Help us to be men and women, boys and girls of truth. For Jesus' sake we ask. Amen.